and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Amen, everybody. This is Brother Frank. Welcome back to another episode of The Remnant Call. God bless you. I'm glad you're here. Folks, we are living in incredibly perilous times. Um, I know so many of you have been watching and keeping up with what's going on out there in the world, and um, you're watching the news. You're, you're seeing what's going on with the president and, and uh, the false media and all the hypocrites, what we, we call the government, the Congress, the Senate, and all of the, the garbage that's going on. And many people, I know many out there, you're worried about, you know, what happens if they come and, and take my guns? My question is, what happens when they come and take your Bible? You know, it's interesting. I'm a hunter, grown up a hunter. I've hunt. I'm military and Marines, you know, and I've I've been with guns. I I, I love guns. I have uh, a couple of them, let's just say, and 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 they're important, but they're not as important as my walk with Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you right now, Brother Frank is here at the Remnant Call, and I might have had a bad temper and grew up, and I've been in a lot of fights and done a lot of bad things. But I'm not here to fight the U.S. government, okay? When it all falls apart and everything goes down, you know where I'm going? Into the mountains. I'm already in the mountains, but I'm going deeper back in, okay? I'm not here to fight the government. I'm here to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know a lot of people are worried about your guns. I'll tell you right now, what you need to be worried about is understanding and knowing Scripture, because when they take away the Bible, when they take away that word that we take for granted, what has been hidden in your heart? The Lord will bring it back to memory when it's time. Trust me, I've actually had that miracle happen to me in Africa when witnessing to a Muslim man in the middle of nowhere. I, I saw that miracle fulfilled of take no thought. It was the most incredible experience I'd ever had. But my concern is right now is so many people are worried about the flesh and what's going on in the flesh. Folks, if you haven't noticed, this country has gone past the point of redemption. Now, that might frustrate some people. Some of you might be looking for the great American revival, and I believe there will be revival, but not the kind where this nation is going to be restored to its once former glory. I don't believe that. Because we have gone past with the amount of abortions and babies killed, homosexuality, transgenderism, everything that's going on. I, folks, we are more despicable and disgusting than Sodom and Gomorrah ever were. This country has passed the point of turning around. These are the last days. This is the end time. And we need to worry more about our relationship with God and less about when they're going to take our guns away. 
okay, because your guns won't save your soul. Only Jesus Christ can save your soul. And we need to make sure that our eyes are focused on Christ. You know, I remember the old sticker, you know, you'll pull my dead cold fingers off my hand, you know, my gun before you take it from me. What I would like to see, how about prying your cold dead fingers off your Bible? That would be nicer because your gun will not save your soul. Folks, we need to be serious about our walk with God. Now, tonight's message is a little short in the title, simply titled, The Message You Need to Hear. And I believe tonight's message is important because so often I know I look at the statistics, I look at the metrics out on YouTube, and I notice that, you know, whatever the title of my program, the more shocking, the more views you get. But if we just talk about scripture or say something about freedom from sin, not a lot of people want to hear about that because they want the quick, fast fact that can, you know, help them see one more little instance to how we're that much closer to the end time. Folks, we are there. Okay. How many more warnings do you need to understand you are there? We are in that last days. Okay. One more little piece of information is not going to wake you up that the other thousand pieces of information you've already have are going to make that one difference. The difference maker now is your walk with Jesus Christ and your acceptance of that sacrifice and understanding and believing that it is good enough to get you through all the way to the very end. And that's why tonight's message is, I believe, is the message you need to hear. Now, I just talked about what was going on in the news, but there's something more important that's going on, and I want to speak about it tonight. Let's pray. Father, in the name above every name, Yeshua, Jesus, I pray that you would bless this program tonight to set the captives free, to understand the power of forgiveness that God has, to understand that no matter where we have been, God is able to pull us out of the pit. Lord, I pray for supernatural strength to get your believers through, your remnant through the last days, that when, when Jesus, when those, when those clouds are rolled back, when the sky is rolled back like a scroll, and we look up and say, Lo, it is our God, He's here to save us, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen us until that time. And it won't be much longer, Lord. But we know that the days are evil, and it will get worse, and it will get hard. But you promised, Lord, when the evil got, when, when sin would prevail, that there would be more grace in order to counter that for your people. Lord, pour your grace and mercy out on this program tonight to glorify you and you alone. In Yeshua's name, amen. So why is tonight's program so important? Because I believe that so many in the remnant are so awake to the time and yet so spiritually empty. There are so many people out there that listen to this program that are dying to know that God still loves them. There are so many people that are listening to this program that are dying to know that God still can deliver them. There are so many people that listen to programs hoping for one more ounce of information about the end times, but in their hearts, they feel like a disaster in their walk with God. In tonight's program, I want to give you some hope. Now, when I was about 16 to 17 years old, I was an absolute hellraiser. 
And I was, if it was wrong, I was involved in it, drugs, drinking, fighting, everything you could imagine. And I remember we were going to this party. It was up in the mountains. And so we stopped in town. We got some beer. We were smoking dope and drank about it. I think at least a 12-pack case before we even got up to where the, where the party was at. We were just slamming it down. And that night, I mean, we were trashed. And that happened all the time. But this night was a little different. Because I was really drunk, and, and this guy, he was up there, and he was one of the only few people around that had any money. And he said, listen, man, he said, I'll bet you $200 that you can't drink from the bottom of this half gallon of Ruski vodka. I've never even seen it before, that brand. It, but I, I was like, $200, man? I didn't even, man, 200 was insane, right? I'm 45. So back when I was 16, that was a good bit of money. I was like, I'll do it. So I turned that thing up, slammed it all down. I thought I'd finished it. And there was a little bit still that was caught in the corner of the bottle that I missed. But he said, listen, you didn't finish it, but I'll give you $50. And so I was still happy. I was young. I didn't care. 50 bucks, that was great. I mean, he was right. I didn't, but I, I didn't know. Well, I continued to party that night after drinking all that and smoking a ton of dope. And I had the experience for the first time in my life, what is called a total blackout. Now, I only know what happened because of my friend telling me afterwards what took place. We were getting ready to leave, and they said, hey, do you want me to drive? And I said, no, I got it. I drove tour up all the time, daily. I drove high every day. My drunk tore up, couldn't even, you know, it'd be so bad you'd have to have sometimes someone about running the foot pedals and the other person trying to steer the wheel. That's how messed up we'd be. But I was like, I got it. And so we were leaving and driving back that night. And we're heading down, and we're this area where people go and swim at up here, and there's a cliff that drives over the edge, right? It goes off the edge. And my buddy said I started to swerve in the vehicle right over towards the edge. And right before I got there, he yelled, and I grabbed the wheel and pulled us back on right in time. And I have no recollection. The next morning, I woke up, and I'd somehow gotten in my bed under my my um blankets and i had i played bass and guitar in a band and stuff and i'd somehow gotten them on top of me i don't know how i got in there and i got up the next morning and i was still really messed up and i went into the bathroom and i and i realized i had thrown up all over i mean i i should have died from alcohol poisoning and it actually scared me i i knew that i had just barely escaped death that night but the interesting thing was, even though I understood at that moment how truly lucky I was to be alive, how close I was to actual death, I should have been run off that cliff and died. But instead of me being thankful and making a change in my life, I went the exact opposite and down a deeper and darker path of total surrender to the enemy, to where it came to the point that he owned every portion of my life. There was no desire. There was no sin. There was nothing I withheld from my own pleasure because I loved me and satisfying my carnal, wicked desires. I was as bad as you could get, and I was an amazing liar 
I could speak lies like you wouldn't believe. And with all of that, and with everybody looking at me and seeing what was going on, and some years back when I'd seen some friends, I hadn't, a friend I hadn't seen years, and he told me, he said, man, I just thought you'd be dead by now, because he knew my reputation and how bad it was back then. I mean, it was so bad that we had a lady come to our house. My wife had ran, ran daycare. This was years post my conversion. It was actually not maybe that long ago maybe seven years ago or so, they came to our house, and, and when she went home to tell her husband that, hey, listen, you went to school with this lady's husband, and when, when mentioned my name, he's like, you're going to take our child to that man's house? And, and she's like, no, 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 he's changed. But that's what people knew about me. But the interesting thing was, I was so far gone and so lost, and I realized, though, today that God had still not given up on me yet. You see, there's so many people out there, they're wondering, does God still care? Does God still love? I'm already claiming to be a Christian, and I've messed up and done these things. Does God still care? I'm here to tell you, He has not given up on you yet. Turn with me if you've got your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. Now you might be wondering why I'm going to this story. Revelation chapter 3 and starting in verse 15, you know the story. It's about Laodicea and you usually only hear about it in one thing. But I want you to see something in this story that maybe it doesn't jump out at you as often. Revelation chapter 3 and starting in verse 15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And so, so God's upset and angry because he sees the people in Laodicea. They're neither, you know, God's like, listen, I'd rather you just be ice cold, right? And, you know, because cold water, you know, you just, just pass through. But, you know, if you're warm water, you know, you're hot water, you know, you just absorb right into the body. But because you're lukewarm, you just you don't want to pass through the digestive system. You're just sitting there and festering. And God's like, you know what? I'm just going to spew you out of my mouth. They're making the Lord sick to their stomachs, to his stomach because of their lukewarmness. They can't make a decision. They're fence sitting Christians who would like to say one thing and do the other. Maybe some that are listening right now are the exact same way. But he says in verse 17, Because thou sayest, I am rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. So to add on top of their lukewarmness, they thought that they were perfectly okay. There, this is the word. This makes God so frustrated because these believers think that they are doing the right things. They're confident in what they're doing, and they are the most lukewarm. And God says, "And you're just making me sick." Verse eighteen, He says, "I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed." And the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see as many as I love, I rebuke and chase, and be zealous therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him, and will sup with him, and he with me. You know, see here, the Lord is interesting. He's so frustrated with these people. 
He's so upset here with these completely lost group of believers in Laodicea. And at the same time, he's so angry, he refuses to give up on them. You see, look again what it says in verse 18 through 20. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and will sup with him, and he with me. The Lord is banging at the door of these people who are making him sick and vomit, and he's not willing that they should perish. God will not give up on them. You see, the interesting thing was, is that when I was in my worst state in my life, when I was a complete disaster, when I was blowing it up, when I've done things that are wrong, when I've even broken a promise to the Lord, when I've messed up even as being a believer, the Lord is still knocking at my door, refusing to give up. See, today Jesus is banging at the door of so many believers' hearts, even you that are in the remnant. Because he knows what you're going to be, what potential you have. God is refusing to give up on you. And he's wanting to just simply come in and have fellowship, to have a personal relationship, even with those who have completely fallen off the path. And we see it repeated in the Word of God. Look at Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 4, if you want to turn there and follow along with me. Look at the Lord's mercy here. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 4. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he, he layeth it upon his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors, saying unto him, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. You say, here Jesus, the great shepherd, is saying, it doesn't matter. I don't care. When I hear one of my sheep cry, when I see that lost sheep looking for his master, I'm going to leave everything else behind, and I'm going to go out and find him. And when I find him, I'm going to carry him home on my shoulders. God is looking for his people. So my question is, where are you today in your walk with Jesus? When you talk to people and they say, hey, how's it going? And you're like, oh, it's fine. Or maybe you go to church or maybe you don't. Maybe, maybe you've been hurt in church or maybe you have a fellowship or, or whatever it is. I don't know. But, but do you put on this false face of everything's okay, but inside it's not? Where is your walk with Jesus? You see, there's a heaviness and a confusion and a condemnation that comes from this world, and it's creeping into the believer's life, and they feel condemned, and they feel like they can't get free from the bondage, and they're wondering if God still loves them. And I often I marvel at the verse that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and now we mess up and we think that God 
hates us. What a terrible testimony against our God to think that he would hate you because you've messed up. God wants to deliver his people. He doesn't give up on them. He didn't give up on Frank when he was so messed up and wasted. And he hasn't given up on me even when I've messed up as a believer. You know, I love the story of the prodigal son. I felt like I was in the same place he was. Verse Luke chapter 15, verse 18 says, I will rise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. You see, the, the son was at the bottom of the barrel. He had hit the very absolute bottom. He was raised in the truth. He knew and understand the truth. I'm sure he had been to the synagogue. He had been to church many times growing up. He knew the right way, but he got in his walk. He got off the path. And when he finally hit that moment where he's eaten with the pigs, maybe for you it's looking at stuff on the Internet you're not supposed to be looking at. Maybe it's the way you treat your spouse or your children, or your co-workers, or the way you gossip about other people. I don't know what it is, but maybe it's the technology you stay on all the time. Whatever that problem it is that you have, maybe it's the pride that's in your heart. Maybe it's that refusing to forgive or believe in the promises of God. Whatever that problem is, but when you finally realize and you understand and remember like that son did, he remembered the goodness of his father. And he realized, I'd rather be a servant for my father than to be here eating with these pigs. And so he goes home. And the Bible said that when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him. He didn't have to run around and try to find his father. No, the Bible said that when his father saw him, meaning he was standing there and looking for him to come home. You see, folks, God is not somewhere where you have to go, you know, hey, Lord, are you around? No, he's actually looking. He's just waiting for you to make that call, to make that cry. And the Bible says that when the father sees the son, the daughter, the children, that he takes off running. The prodigal son is not about a lost child so much. It's about a waiting father. And your God is waiting on you. He knows you've messed up. He knows you did some wrong. And he's waiting on you to come home. Because he loves you. See, when he got home, when he got there, finally he saw it. It said he ran and he fell down there and on his neck and he kissed him. He kissed his son. 
See, God comes back to the messed up child, to the one who's done everything wrong, to the one who thinks that he's lost beyond redemption, and he gets home, and the God, his Father right there, our Heavenly Father, he comes down and he hugs him and kisses him because he's so glad that his child is home. You see, folks, I don't want you to just simply know what time it is. I want you to understand your God loves you. And he wants us as the remnant body of believers to be prepared for the last days. You know the way we prepare? We get close to him. We let him put his arms around us. Let him hide us under his wings, under the hem of his garment. We let him take care of us through these dark days. I want to close with a story. The young son had had gone to San Francisco. He was out of money, out of friends, out of options. He had hit the bottom and was at his absolute wit's end. Do you feel like that's you, brother or sister? This lost son had wrote a letter to his parents living in the Seattle area, and this is what he wrote. Dear Mom and Dad, I have sinned deeply against you. I have sinned against you, and I have sinned against God, and I am not worthy to be called your son. There's no reason for you to love me or welcome me back. I'm at the bottom of the barrel, and I need to come back home. I hope that you would welcome me. I've been given a ticket for a train, a ticket to get me back to Seattle. The train comes past the farm south of Seattle. The train comes around the bend and right past the farmhouse. If you want me to come home, please put a white towel out on the clothesline, out in the backyard near the tracks. I will see it then, and I will know that you want me to come back home. But if there's no towel there, I understand. I will understand that it's not right for me to come back home. The young man had sent the letter and got on the train and he started heading north. As he came closer and closer to the home, he became more nervous inside and was was pacing up and down the center aisle of the train. As the train came closer and closer to his farmhouse, he couldn't, couldn't bear it anymore. He was momentarily sitting next to a man and he said to him, Sir, sir, around this next corner, this next bend up here, there's going to be a farmhouse, sir. It's on the left. A white house, an old red barn is behind it, sir, a dilapidated fence. There's going to be a clothesline in the backyard, sir. Would you do me a favor and look and see if there's a white towel hanging on the clothesline? I know this sounds peculiar, but I can't bear to look. Well, the train got closer and closer to the bend, and it started to go around the bend. And the young man's heart was racing as fast as it could. The man said, look, look, open your eyes, son. The whole clothesline is covered in white towels. The oak trees are covered with white towels. The barn roof is covered with white sheets. The old dilapidated fence was covered with white sheets. There were white sheets everywhere because the father and mother so deeply wanted their son to come back home. Folks, I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know the trials that you've been through. I don't know the hurt that you've suffered, the people that have wronged you, the mistakes that you've made. But I know this. 
The white sheets are hanging on the fence. God wants you to come back home. It's time to come back home into the safety in these dark days that we live in. It's time to come back home to God, to where He can minister to your soul and comfort you, knowing that no matter what happens in this place, you will be okay. It's time to come back home. I'm going to end tonight with a prayer. And I'm going to ask God to comfort His remnant tonight, or tomorrow, or whenever you hear this message. And I'm going to ask the folks that you would believe this promises that God has put here in His Word that He is waiting and ready to receive you back no matter where you have been. Father, we thank You in the name above every name, Yeshua. We thank You that, that You don't give up even when we give up. I thank You that You don't quit even when we've quit. I thank you, Lord, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I thank you, Lord, that you leave the ninety and nine to rescue that one lost sheep. Lord, there's so many people, there's so many sheep that are in the, 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 the believers, Lord. They've been in there, they were on the right path, but something happened along the way that they got diverted, Lord. They got messed up and they feel so lost. God, remind them tonight that you are coming. And it's okay to cry out to the Master. Lord, remind them how you hear the cries of your children and you're coming to rescue. Lord, I pray that every ounce of condemnation, everything that's been beating up, every, everything that's weighting the believers down tonight, that they would shed it off and claim that it's been forgiven and covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I ask, Lord, that the merits and the power of that blood would be applied to the sinner right now, Lord, to cover him. And would you put your robe of righteousness over that person, that man or woman, Lord, that is crying out to you to know that God can and will forgive. Thank you for this blessing, Lord. I thank you for the power of forgiveness. And I thank you for your relentless pursuit to rescue your children. I ask this tonight in the mighty and powerful name of Yeshua Jesus, Lord. Amen. This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call. Have confidence, folks. Your God will save you. He's coming soon. And his wings are filled full of mercy. Good night and shalom. Come